Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again to a Lights Camera Sports podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. It's time for another Minutes with Mute, and I'm joined by the one and only Scott Mutrin. You know him from the BC Learfield Radio Network, as well as a sideline reporter for the Boston College Football uh, so happy to have Scott on the podcast. First, let me remind you, though, if you're a BC football fan, you got to be a part of the BC Football Gridiron Club. That's bcfootballgridiron.com to sign up and get more details. Pre-game, post-game tailgates, email newsletters. I was at the tailgate this past Saturday versus UConn. Just a great time, beautiful weather. That's bcfootballgridiron.com for more details. Okay, with that now, we bring in Scott Mutrin and Scott 21 to 14 win for the Eagles. Pretty solid game um, uh, over UConn, of course. Winners of four straight. Just your big picture thoughts. Yeah, I think um, as you would look over the stats after the game, and if you just took off the top line, which tells you the score, as, as you get from the press box, as you know, Mike, and obviously it was great to see you this weekend in person. <laughs> yes. Uh, when you, when you look at that top line, you cut the top line off and you look at everything else, and you see BC's performance, right? They have almost 500 yards of offense. Uh, they're 13 for 20 on third and fourth down combined. How, how about this, Scott, real quick? 30 first downs. 30 first downs. I don't think I've seen that in a long time for BC. Great segue. Next question. How do you grade out Castellanos? Um, what happened, do you think, at halftime where Emmett Moorhead came in in the third quarter and 
just the whole QB play for Boston College. Yeah, it looked like he was, you know, at the end of the half, he was kind of moving a little gingerly on his right leg. I'm no doctor. I don't I don't play one on TV. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it looked like he just wasn't comfortable. He came out late for the second half. You know, he's on the sidelines. You see him moving around, trying to get loose as Emmett's out there driving the team. And he did, after the first two series comeback, it didn't look like he was really sure about running. Because you watched the first couple plays, he was handing it off. UConn noticed it. He got a little more, whether it was loose or felt better afterwards. So that looked okay. But it was weird because, you know, he had some good runs. He had some, And they still went to him on big runs, on fourth down runs later in the game, especially in the last drive. So... Hopefully it was just something minor that he got through. But if you look stats-wise, I think he ran 14 times for 45 yards. You know, a couple, you know, a couple tough sacks that I think he took. But he threw at 16 for 24 for 187. Uh, a really tough pick at the end of the first half when BC's in field goal range. And I think there were some other guys that were probably open. I mean, those numbers look good. Don't get me wrong. But I think some, you know, there's certain things and whether to tuck and run or whether to drop it to other guys, like there were some options that I think he had that, that he would look back on tape and, and be disappointed. The big stack that they took to put him in second and 30, I think if he just kind of loses some ground, he'll have Franklin in the flat who's wide open and will go for, for a long tuck. I think the throw at the end of the first half to Joe Griffin I think he would look back and say, wow, I had another guy um, open. I think it was Dino Tomlin coming across the middle. And there were just some other ones where he probably had some guys that, that he passed up. And this is going to be part of it. Defenses are going to start game planning for him. UConn did a really good job of keeping him in the pocket, not getting upfield with their defensive ends, and their, and their defensive tackles kind of – stood their ground as well. They, they weren't looking to get upfield, which is really tough to tell pass rushers to do because it goes against everything they want to do. And it's what Castellanos has, has killed teams with. It is all their eagerness to get upfield to get to him just clears up lanes for him to run and lanes for him to throw. So when they kind of kept that pocket tight, it forced him to stay in there. And I think some of that uh, caused some, some confusion and maybe some – some things that he hasn't seen yet. So it's going to be interesting to see how defenses look at that tape and say, do, do we want to emulate this defense against BC kind of to control him? Because it's easy to say it, right? You, you say the same thing about Mahomes or Lamar Jackson in the NFL, and I'm not putting him on that same level. It's more along the, the mobile quarterbacks, and Jackson and Mahomes are a little bit different. But when you're telling defensive ends, to, to not go upfield, it goes against their nature. And to be able to do that the, the entire game is very difficult. Yeah. So can people do it? Yes. Will they do it? I don't know. You know, I thought it was just – talk about just the speed, though, the dynamic he brings. I remember that first drive was like third and 14. BC gets 13 yards, fourth and one. And then Castellanos just literally outspeeds, the, I think, the defense end for UConn on the outside and just gets the first down. You know, that's such an extra dynamic, especially the college game, Scott, where you could run and pass. Just speed, speed, speed. And I noticed that in person on Saturday. Yeah, and that's a, you know, with him, it's, yeah, that's to be tough in your criticism because 
he can erase so many other things. Exactly. Right? And be, yeah. being able to do that is like some of these are growing pains, and he's, he, you know, he's obviously still a young quarterback that has a lot to to go through, and he's and he hasn't seen everything, but he's done a great job so far, and he's really has the ability to to make something out of nothing, and he's really, you know, shown a lot of great leadership. Like you, the the team follows him, and it's it's great to see. I, I thought it was just. You know, it's it's almost like you're being nitpicky at this point, right? Because he's done so many great things, and I don't and I don't mean to be. It's just you 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 can see the steps that he needs to take, and if he takes those, then man, sky's the limit for him because he can. He's a special player, and he's really changed the entire outlook of this BC offense and team, for example. Yeah, no doubt. And BC's wins four straight. Got Cuse coming up on Friday night. We'll get to Cuse in a second, but going back to the UConn game. Boston College, I thought the defense played really well. Vinny DePalma and company uh, obviously held UConn to seven points. And then fourth quarter, TD, 14 points total. But uh, your thoughts on BC's defense? Yeah, I mean, you get, a, you get a fumble where the UConn gets the ball and the BC 45 and they score, right? Yes. Then after that, then after that BC really just held its own, right? BC held its own. I think they only have given up. 85 yards of offense in midway through the third quarter. Now, some of that was because BC's offense was on the field a lot, but some of it was BC's defense did a really good job. They did a really job containing Roberson. They made some, you know, kept, they won a lot on first and second down, which has been a problem this year. If you look at their, their defensive statistics, people would complain about third down. And yeah, that was an issue, but when teams are in third and three and less, a lot easier to run your whole playbook so it's tougher to defend when BC, because BC was losing so much on first and second down but they did a really good job of winning on first and second down this week to put UConn in some tough third down situations where they're able to, to get some pressure where they're able to, to make some big stops and then get the ball back to the offense. The offense just had those you know it's just those moments you turn over on downs the fumble on the first drive the interception at the end of the half the missed field goal like that's four empty possessions and then you know, a couple where you just you get a couple bad penalties. So it's it's one of those shooting themselves in the foot sort of, sort of thing. But the defense responded. Uh, besides, like, the last drive that, that UConn had to make it, you know, 21-14, they made some big plays. They had some big sacks, you know, forcing UConn into a 54-yard field goal, which, I mean, was questionable. I don't know what they were thinking on that, but take it. But <laughs> they, they did a decent job, right? They, they're starting to come into their own. That, you know, lose a couple guys to injuries, which was tough because there were some guys out there that haven't played a lot that got out there on both sides of the ball, which I, I thought is that's always, uh, you know, it's always great to see some new guys that have taken the time to learn, to improve, and get out there and then to be able to make plays in big moments. And I think you're starting to see that on yeah. both sides of the football for the Eagles, and especially on the defensive side now because, you know, they, they needed to step up. There was nobody else to go out there. So yeah. BC had 433 yards, total offense, UConn 222. Time of possession, 40 minutes and 44 seconds for BC. So that really helped out you know, the defense as well, uh, getting some rest. But you're right, just to put a bow tie on, I think BC's offense, you know, they had a lot of ingredients, Scott. Just got to finish the cook, make the dish, and finish it off, get those scores in the end. I think they will, uh, especially with Syracuse come up next week. Yeah, and I think an important thing to note is uh, you look at BC's scoring per quarter the fourth quarter is significant they've outscored their opponents 
I think, by 42 points in the fourth quarter. That's a big number. So that says a lot about them wearing teams down and finding a way to be in close games and to, and to put teams away, right? Look at, look at the – especially look at the last four games. And obviously you can take away – like UConn, they're probably going to punch it in. And, you know, they did get outscored, I think, 7 nothing in that game because they scored the last touchdown in the third quarter. But look at the last four or five games and you look at the performance of BC – and that just shows you that their their offense knows knows how to to finish things off. They really you know they know how to you know not just wear on guys, but to be able to like if they need to score points and get it together and and tighten it up, they can do that. You know, 21 points against Georgia Tech, I believe 14 points against the uh, Army in that last year, and then a huge drive against Army to win that game. So it's 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 a it's a good thing to see their their ability in that fourth quarter because that's when games get tight and that's what's the difference between winning and losing, especially when you play a ton of one-score games, which BC has done this year, right? You have to have the ability to close teams out and, and to see their out their outperformance in the fourth quarter I think is a, is a positive sign because it's something they're familiar with. They're not scared of the moment. They actually embrace that moment of the fourth quarter of, of you know, trying to close teams out and finish the game. So BC five and three winners of four straight. How was the vibe? How was the broadcast overall for you? How was Halfley post game? And uh, how did everything go for you uh, behind the scenes there, Scott? I think Coach is a little frustrated that they let them hang around. Yep. I think he was frustrated with the empty possessions on offense, uh, giving up that drive uh, defensively to make it a one score game. I think he was frustrated by because you know a good team, you know you can't let teams hang around. Right. The longer you, th- you let teams hang around, the the more bad stuff happens. Right. That it just you just got to kind of close it out early and just leave no doubt. And it's Scott, especially after UConn beat them last year too. You know, I think BC really want to have a big time win here. They didn't quite get that, but yeah, I think that frustration from last year's loss too in East Hartford. Yeah, I'm sure there's there's some that that resonates with that. But like like I said last week, and even on the broadcast, it's like every year is a different team. Yep. You want to. You don't necessarily want revenge. You kind of want to avenge your performance, right? Like most of the guys, like I'm, I'm disappointed with the way I played. I want to play better. That's not, you know, that's not indicative of the type of player I am. The effort that was out there, the performance I put out on that tape for that game is not the player I am. So I need to fix it. And I think that's more of what it was, because they, you can't get caught up in the revenge game because then you get. Then that's what the other team wants. Then you get caught in the emotion of all that other stuff and don't get be as concerned about doing your job and performing. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. So BC, now, okay, Scott, so Friday night game. Fans, keep that in mind. BC, Syracuse, Friday night, um, 7.30. What do you think about the Orange 4-4 overall season, but winless in the ACC? Yeah, they've run into some, um, some tough performances in the last couple games, and I think Dino Babers and crew, is they're, they're trying to figure it out right now. They've lost some guys. I think the, the, the Gadsden injury was a big one for them because he was an All-American tight end, and they lost him early to, I think, a Liz Frank injury. 
Uh, Schrader's done all right. It's, it's one of those things is that winning and losing are very contagious, right? And they're usually the – and in college football with the, with the landscape of it, the way it is today is that that margin is very, very small. So I think Syracuse has been on the, 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 the wrong end of it these last couple games, and it's not by much. And it's just little things that have kind of tilted against them. Now, you can say the score of the Virginia Tech game like this past Thursday, like what are you talking about? But there were a couple plays that game that go the other way. Yep. It's a different story. So, 38 to 10 really was the score. Of, yeah, and look at the ACC for this year. I mean, you got Georgia Tech, who BC goes down there and and beats, you know, pretty handily, by the way, right? It was obviously they were down going in the fourth quarter, but BC had, you know, played very well in that game, and they go and beat the uh, North Carolina, the top 15 team in the country, right? You got NC State beating Clemson, right? It's, there, there are a lot of moving parts here, right? Pitt beating Louisville a couple weeks ago, right, after that. So you can't really get caught up in, oh, this is their record or this is what they did last week because if you do, it, more often than not, ends up you end up on the wrong side of the ledger after doing that. So BC's got a short week. they got some guys banged up. They really just need to go into Syracuse and – if Syracuse is struggling, just don't don't rile them up. Just let them continue to struggle, and then just walk in there, try to get a win, and move on. Right? Just leave the let leave, let a sleeping dog lie, for lack of a better term. Right? Yeah, and I never liked the. How about I don't know how you feel about this. I never liked playing inside the Carrier Dome. I always get weird vibes there. Just it, the maybe the atmosphere. I don't know. But you, what's your thoughts on the Carrier Dome? I thought I've. Um, or, did they change the name of it? I think they did, but yeah, they did. They did. Uh, it's got some different name on it, but um, you've obviously I listened to my other former podcast, a former broadcast. It is one of the most, or if not the most, place I despise to go. <laughs> uh, no, I remember. That's why I asked you. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's gray. It's cold. It doesn't matter if it's you know if it's September, October, or November. It always just seems to be miserable there. It's Bad things happen there. Bad things happen there when we play. When I play there, bad things happen there when I've been there for games. It's always something weird happens, something, you know, some you know, tricky play or some, just something that leaves a bad taste or whether someone gets injured. It's always something there. So it's just like a house of horrors. We thank God it's after Halloween because then you don't have that aspect. But, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just... It's something about the place. No offense to the great people of Syracuse. It's just it's not a place I enjoy going to, and it's not a place I've enjoyed. I'd much rather go other places. So the one good thing is that all the the dome does help because it's climate controlled. But other than that, yeah, not not a huge fan. But that's uh, you know it's part of the uh, regional rivalry. I think they're gonna we're gonna be stuck with each other from now until you know. Till the end of time, as long as that lasts. Well, we'll see if conference. We never know what happens. Conference affiliation, but yeah, you're right. Two northeast schools, a uh, lot of history there. It's always fun though to play them, and uh, a W would make it sweeter. Uh, talk about sweet though. How about that weather this past Saturday, Sky UConn, BC, and Chestnut Hill? What a what was your tailgate like? Uh, just a beautiful blue skies. The campus looked great. Uh, just a good time. Yeah, it was. You know, it was great. It was, it was literally a carbon copy of what Georgia Tech was the week before. There you go. Boston. You get the fall foliage. You get everyone there for homecoming. You get Hall of Fame. I was fortunate enough to see 
some Hall of Famers on there. Megatron was on the sideline. Uh, Doug Flutie, Matt Hasselback, uh, Gosner, Cherilis. Congratulations to him on the Hall of Fame. There was a lot of a lot of celebrity pow uh, in the in the stadium. It was good to see. I didn't have my normal sidekick. My youngest son Ryan usually comes with me, but he had a game uh, later that night, so he was unable to attend. But uh, it was good. It was you know it was quick. I was uh, I didn't have much time to to do. A lot of pre-gaming and stuff, but was able to, to see some people afterwards for a bit and enjoy the game. The weather was great. You know, you can't, you couldn't ask for anything more. I think we're excited to see what what's upcoming for this net. Uh, you know, for Virginia Tech. You know, the with BC another home game. Hopefully, you know, BC's been on the noon game a lot. I wonder if BC wins this week or if they hold the game to try to move it later. Virginia Tech's been playing well too, so it could have some ramifications, but. You know, looking back on BC, it's it's kind of funny as they sit five and three right now. I was talking to somebody the other day, and it's like the Northern Illinois loss obviously was tough, right? Seems to be that. But then you look at your two conference losses, and Louisville, who's proven to be a very, very good team, and Florida State, who's the number three team in the country. And, you know, the Louisville game, they did not play well, but the Florida State game, you're, you're in there to the end. You're kind of like, you know, maybe people are kind of sleeping on it. It's not as bad as, as everyone thought, you know, because people get caught up in the, you know, the, the closeness of some of the games. But when you look at the conference play and what they've done, maybe BC's not as bad. I mean, this game against Syracuse I think will be a big, uh, you know, a big factor, right? It's a chance to get full eligible. It's a chance to, you know, continue on with, a, with the four-game winning streak and make it five. Coming off a short week, it's on the road. There's a lot of challenges and some injuries as well. So this is a big game for BC, right? This could, this could really set the tone for the next, you know, month of the season. And 6-3 and three always sounds a lot better than 5-4. and four. Big swing. You're right. You're right, Scott. All right, what's the travel plans for Syracuse? That's a great question. I haven't got my itinerary yet, so I imagine we'll leave on Thursday. But because it's a night game, I wonder if we're uh, leaving a little bit later. Uh, and then we'll always do the dinosaur barbecue. We just might have to do it for lunch. <laughs> there you go. Fr- yeah. Friday lunch. Friday lunch is a good time. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so that could be it. But we got to. Uh, we just got to stay flexible. It's part of the. Uh, it's part of the uh, mid. You know, the midweek. Pod. Excuse me. <laughs> the midweek game is when you get the Friday or Thursday games. You just got to be able to to roll with the punches a little bit because it's not like a normal weekend or Saturday game where you're you kind of have a set itinerary. So and then the, but the be on the back end, the positive. If you do get a win, it makes watching games on Saturday that much nicer. You can relax with a full two days off in the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> yeah, that's funny that you think I'll have two. Days. Off, I will not. I will have other things going on in that time period. It's very nice of you to think that. But, uh, <laughs> well, Scott, we're done here for today. We're good this week of the podcast here. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. And uh, hopefully, BC six and three this time next week. Uh, absolutely. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. 
That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.